We are going to be kicking off a brand new series called Clean Slate. And uh, again, if we haven't met yet, we'd love to meet you and uh, maybe hear how you made your way to grace. A little bit about me. Uh, I know that many of us are kind of trying out grace for the first time. So I'm the campus pastor here at the Ellett campus. I've uh, been married for about 17 years and I've got four kids. And uh, I I love whiteboards. We went a little retro this, this week. I've got a old school chalkboard, and uh, that's the teacher in me. So we're going to dive into conversations all about kind of clean slate, this idea that uh, we want to start new. We want to start with a f- kind of a fresh look. With a new year, there's often that sense of, I need to make some changes. Uh, whether you're a person that would say, I-, I love New Year's resolutions, or you're somebody that would say, I'm kind of done with the whole New Year's resolutions thing. I, I just want to make some new kind of directional changes. However you might view the New Year thing, uh, all of us, I think at the end of the day, are looking to kind of move forward. Can I make some directional changes, some new habits, uh, some new goals, right? Can I, can I put some new energy? Can we have a little bit of a fresh start? a clean slate. And that's the whole idea of what we're going to be doing this series. Uh, We want to really kind of ask some big questions in the course of the next kind of several weeks. We want to ask the question, can I go back and have a clean slate, a fresh look at really who God is? Uh, Can I have a fresh look at what my mission and my purpose is on the planet? Like what, what is it again that we're doing here? Why am I here? Why has God placed me here on, on this piece of dirt, in this time, in this job or this school? What exactly is it that I'm all about? We want to ask some of those kind of big high-level questions. And, and the, the kind of the heart of it is we want to almost just erase the answers that, that some of us have had, that probably all of us have had, and write some new things on the board and say, can we begin to live off of those? Can we actually take some time to look and and hear and see what God has said about us? Why he said that that I put you onto the planet, what your purpose is, and can we live off of those answers and begin to have a clean slate, a new start, kind of a fresh look at what life's all about, who God really is, and what is happening kind of in and through me and all around me. That's what we're going to dive into, and if, I would say this, if you're a follower of Jesus, I know for me personally, uh, I need this regularly. I need kind of my mind and my heart cleaned out. I need to remember and be renewed in the things that God has said. So if that's who you are, if you're a Christ follower today, I think that's what's going to happen in you. Uh, if you've been disconnected from the church, maybe, uh, maybe you grew up in church and it's been a while, and you say, maybe this is the year, it's 2020. Uh, It's a brand new year. I'm going to jump back in and kind of have a fresh start at this thing. I think this is a phenomenal time to jump back in and have that conversation. Kind of remember some of the things that you were taught. Maybe see them a little bit differently than how you saw them maybe 10 or 15 or 20 years ago uh, and have a, a clean slate that way. And then I know some of us in the room, we're genuinely investigating a relationship with God. What does it mean to know God? How would I even start down a road like that if I wanted to. And, and you, some of us are, are here, we're not a clean slate, we're, we're a blank slate. We have no foundation in, in God or religion at all. If that's your story, by the way, that was my story. I had no religious background at all, uh, didn't grow up in church, didn't grow up in Sunday school, didn't grow up hearing about God and what he is about and who he is. 
Uh, I met Jesus, started a relationship with Christ in college through a friend that shared with me uh, some things we're going to be talking about over the next handful of weeks. So if that's where you are, you are in the right place as well. And no matter where you're coming from, I think this is a great place for us to sink in together and uh, begin to erase some of what has been written in our hearts and minds and write some new stuff down and start to live off that foundation. So that's what we're going to be diving into, and I uh, just encourage you to, to try to lock into this series. I think we're, going to, we're really going to move from a starting point we're going to lay down today, and we're going to move somewhere over the next uh, six weeks, really. So I would encourage you, when you think about uh, your connection to this conversation, uh, maybe even trying out, think about trying out a, a six-week run and really hearing the whole conversation play out, because we're going to kind of lay it out a step at a time. And where we want to start today as we dive into this kind of big conversation or big series of conversations is we want to start at a really, really high level in an area that a lot of us, at least I hadn't, uh, a lot of us don't think about, which is uh, how we view God. How we view God. What our view of God is and the, the way that we would assume that he sees us and the way that we assume that he is as a being, as a person, God is personal. He's not a force. He's not a religion. All right, well, the way that we would approach him and kind of the, the assumptions we would have about him actually affect every single area of our lives, whether we realize it or not. There's an enormous amount of, uh, uh, there's many ramifications that play out based on how I think God is and how I think God sees me right here and right now. So we want to begin to unpack that. Who is God? What could my view of him be? Can I clean the slate on that and actually lock into who he says he is in his word and begin to live off that foundation? So that's what we're going to dive into today and I want to start to unpack some of that. And right away I want us to see that uh, there's a couple different words that could be kind of written on our heart or mind. And there, there's probably one major uh, way that we could view God. Uh, one way we could see God is this. We could see him as a pushover, a pushover. That, that, that God himself is, is kind of, he, he's like my buddy. He's easy. He kind of sees what I do and he knows the things that I'm involved in. He knows that I'm one person over here at work or at school and maybe a different person with my family or my parents. He knows all that, but he's, he's cool with it. It's kind of a wink and nod. He's a pushover. Another way that, that we might see God is we might look at God and, and think of him like, um, almost like a, a genie. A genie. I'll erase that right there. Right? A genie. Like, like God, if I ask you for stuff, uh, you're, you're going to make that show up for me. You're going to make my wishes come true. You're going to make my dreams come true. I want, I want God, I want you to like, have this big thing happen in my life that I want to have happen. This year, I want, I'm 2020, I have these goals. I mean, I want to make this much money. I want my sales to increase. I want to find a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I, I want to do some, some, some different things. I want to see God do some stuff in my life that maybe he hasn't done in a while. And God, would you make that happen for me and I might even think about God like this, like if I do some things for you, maybe if I show up at church or give a little bit or serve a little bit, if I show up and do something for you, then it, maybe you're going to come through for me in this way 
almost expecting him to show up and, and grant my wishes, a little bit like a genie. Not that we would ever use that language. I don't think any of us in this room would say that. I per- certainly wouldn't have said that and wouldn't say it today, that I would have think of, thought of God as a genie or a pushover. But the reality is, in our quiet moments, in our heart of hearts, probably for, for some of us, if not most of us, we have some of this playing out. It's funny, when I think back about my journey spiritually, it's been really interesting. Because even in high school, I would have looked at you and I would have argued against the existence of God. I would have said I was an atheist. And if we argued, if we had a a conversation during that time, I would have told you all the reasons why I didn't believe God existed. Right? I I would have been kind of staunchly, I didn't really know what I was talking about, but I was convinced that I I was right. And I would have said, no, I don't believe in God. I don't believe he's real. But then what was funny is when I got in trouble, when I started getting in trouble in life, uh, I specifically remember one day when I had a massive uh, project due, kind of a test due the next day, a huge thing coming in uh, that I had to, to be accountable for in school. And I remember it started to snow hard that night before. And I remember saying to somebody, right, to some unknown God out there, like, if you can just make this snow day happen, I will stop being such an evil person, right? Like, just, just make the snow day happen. Make me not have to be accountable for not doing my work. I'll do whatever you want, God, you know? Like, just make it show up. And what's embarrassing, I think, to all of us is, is those little interactions, a barter, a bargain, a God, can you make it happen? God, will you be my genie? Will you be, will you be a pushover? Will you not really... Uh, do the things that you say you're going to do. Will you be like a buddy that winks at sin? And what's fascinating is God is, he's really nothing like that. Uh, let, let me show you a few things, just a few, right? Because there's no way we could cover all this in one day. But let me show you just a few things that God would say about himself and uh, some, some things that we could learn about God. Here, here's what Peter says. He says, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Be holy for I am holy. And he's quoting back to the Old Testament where God would say this. So there's this big idea that God is holy. God is holy. And the idea of holiness is this, that God is completely other. That, that yes, did he make us in his image? Yes. So when God created humanity, men and women, he made us in his image. We're somehow like God. But there's this other side of the conversation that we're totally different than God. And his holiness is a big piece of where that shows up. What that means is that God has never sinned. You never look at God, and God could never have a moment where he said, man, I, I, I just, I messed this up. I screwed this up. I need somebody to forgive me. He is morally perfect. He is completely other. He's completely different than us in many, many ways, and most of that's going to show up morally, right? He is a holy God. And that holy God, that perfect God has disconnected from our imperfection, our sinfulness. There's a reality to that. That, that God, he can't, be, uh, he can't overlook sin. He's not winking and nodding and saying, oh, it's no big deal. That's no big deal that you're one person over here and another person over here and you're living a lie. That's huge to me. That's offensive to me. He's holy, right? It's a real thing. Here's another one that would show up. So since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. 
So what, what Peter's saying here is our God is a father and he judges each person's work impartially. He is a perfect judge. He judges justly. You and I judge based on what we see. The little limited knowledge that we can have, we're going to make a judgment based on that. God is holy. He's also just. right? He's just. He's perfectly just. God doesn't do things, you know, it's funny, God's not fair, but he's completely just. He doesn't give everybody the exact same thing. That's fair. What he does is he does things with justice. He, he operates and interacts with people based on justice. He holds us accountable to our imperfection based on justice. It's who God is. What that does for me, when, when I see God as a pushover, or a genie is it sobers me up and it makes me realize, wait a minute, God's not a life improvement additive. He's not like the, uh, the, the engine that makes my dreams come true. It's not like, look, look at all the great things I have going on in my life and then I add a little bit of God to it and that makes it complete. That's not who God is. God is God, right? He is holy. He is just He is the one who is above any condemnation. He never has to account for anyone because he's morally perfect. He's good in every way. And he can never be accused of evil. Yeah, it's super sobering, right? Super sobering. Now, what's fascinating, some of us would think of God as a pushover or a genie. Others of us would look at the holiness and the justice of God and we would know about that. And what we would do, because we know God is perfect and we know that he's completely just, is we would fly kind of to the other extreme. We would start to think of God, uh, because of his holiness, because of his justice, we would start to think of him as in wonder, could God actually be uh, very harsh could he be harsh? Is he a God that, uh, that would look at us and say, man, I, I know you. I know what you did. I know all the thoughts in your head. I know the sins you've committed. And now listen, you're, you're going to pay for that. Right? I'm gonna, that good thing that's happening in your life, I'm, I'm going to blow that up because I know what you did back here. We start to think of God, it's possible for us to think of him and view him as a vindictive God. As a God that's trying to to twist the knife a little bit. I'll show you. You sin against me and I'm going to, I'm holy, I'm going to demand something of you. Right? And so we would think of him as that, that way, as a God who is harsh and condemning and maybe even a God who is distant. That, that, man, he's out there somewhere. And in his holiness and in his justice, he's far away. And from far away, he is condemning me because of my imperfection. And this good thing that's about to happen in my life is not going to happen because God's going to blow it up because he's, he's so mad at me. He's a harsh God. He's a condemning God. And he, what he wants to do is crush me. And we'll hear messages like, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And wonder... Is God mostly angry at me? Is he mostly frustrated at me? And when something bad happens in my life, 
when there's hurt or there's loss or there's grief or there's suffering, do I look at what's happening and assume, see, I knew it the whole time, God hates me. God hates me. And it was just a matter of time before it showed up in my life. These are, these are words that might show up in our view of God. And we can start to see, if I believe this, this is going to start to affect every area of my life. When I'm going up for that promotion, and I, I start to think I might be able to grab hold of something that might be good or maybe something that I want, I start to worry, um, maybe God's going to squash this because he looks back at what I did back in college or back in high school or the fact that, that he knows what we did before we got married or he knows about my divorce. He knows about my addiction. And, and because of that, he's going to blow that thing up because he's a harsh and he's a condemning God who's far, far away. Oh, man. Here's what's fascinating is nothing could be farther from the truth. God is holy, absolutely. Man, he's perfect in his holiness. Is he just? Oh, he's so absolutely, he's a just judge, certainly. He's gonna, he's gonna interact with us based on justice. But he's more than that. He's also merciful. He's also merciful. Look at, look at this verse. He's loving, he's merciful, but because of his great love for us, Ephesians 2, 4 says, hear that. But because of his great love for us, whose great love? The one who is holy and the one who is just is also one who is filled with great love. This God who is rich in mercy, and he, he is rich in mercy, he is merciful, what does that mean? What does it mean for him to be merciful? It means that even though I may be deserving of condemnation and deserving of being separated from God, because that's, that's what I deserve, frankly. Everything that I've ever done in my life has caused me to be deserving of God's separation from me. He's holy, I'm not. It would be just for him to say, I'm done with you. But in his mercy and his great love for me, what he's chosen to do is to offer a way for me to be forgiven. That's unbelievable. Why would he do that? He didn't need to do that. He would have been completely fair, just, in just wiping out the planet when we sinned because of his great holiness but he is not harsh, and he's not condemning, and he's not distant. He's merciful. He looks at us and says, listen, I want nothing more than to connect with you and to know you. I actually want your heart. I want a relationship with you. I actually care about what you care about. I'm not your genie. I'm not your slave. I'm not just your horsepower for your life goals. I'm your... I want to be your God, but I'm a God who cares and who knows and who sees, and I know everything that you've ever done, and I have chosen because it's who I am to offer mercy because of my great love. Oh, man, that's unbelievable news. 
That's unbelievable news. This is why the gospel is called good news. Because I know what I've done. I know the lust that I've committed. I know the, the unbelievable pride that I've lived in. I know the arrogance of my own heart and the independence and the self-will and then I'll show you. And I'll run my own life. I know all that in my life. And my guess is in quiet moments, in honest moments, you have your own version of that in your life. And God, holy and just, looks at you and me. And man, what he, what he does is he offers us mercy. We do not get what we deserve. Why? Because of his great love for us. That's unbelievable. It's so refreshing. He goes on. Here's in Romans 2.4. Paul says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. God's kindness? I thought he was condemning and angry, and I thought if I walked into church, he was going to strike me with a lightning bolt. I thought he blew stuff up in my life because he was mad at me. Kindness. Right, it's God's kindness that draws us to a point where God can open our eyes and awaken our hearts so he can transform our lives. Oh, so you're saying God actually loved me. He was merciful to me. I didn't get what I deserved because he wanted to show me his kindness because he actually wants a relationship with me. This is massive. Here's the thing. All this, all this comes together. The holiness and the justice and the, the mercy and the kindness of God is all going to come together and we see it in the person of Jesus. Jesus alone, right, is going to be the one who lives a holy life. He's the only one who, by the justice of God, did not need to be condemned, but he, he willingly put himself under God's condemnation. Why? To be our holiness, to stand in our place, to take on our sin so that he could offer his holiness for us. Why? Because he is merciful and he is kind to us. See, if, if I start to think down here, if I start to think God is a genie, he's a pushover, I'm... To, I'm I'm becoming delusional. God exists. He is real. He created everything that we've ever seen and everything we ever know. Are you kidding me? He has enormous power. He knows everything that happens in my heart and mind. He cannot be tricked. He cannot be manipulated. I'm delusional. If I believe that God is harsh and, and condemning and distant, I begin to be irrational. Because if Jesus actually came to the planet, if he's actually the son of God, if he was actually born of a virgin, if he actually lived a perfect life, and he actually died an innocent death, and he was buried and he rose from the dead, and he offers forgiveness and holiness and a relationship built back to God because of his name, that actually happened. I have no option but to look back on that and say, 
oh, God must be merciful. He must be kind because he offered me a way out and there was no other way. I could never pay for my sin. A lifetime in hell could pay for my sin. That's it. I could never be reconciled back to a holy God. Only a perfect life offered innocently could reconnect me back to a just and holy God. That's it. So I look at that and say, see, the the kindness of God, the mercy of God, and now God will do unbelievable things to help me come to the point where I realize his kindness and his mercy, his holiness and his justice, and ultimately his love. The reality is this stuff's hard to see, right? We live in a harsh world where difficult things happen that are unexplainable. Uh, There's things that happen. I have no answer for them, period. Harsh things. And we look at the harsh things that happen in our lives and we assume if harsh things happen, there must be a a harsh God behind them. Maybe. 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 Or maybe there's big consequences to sin. And in the midst of chaos and sin and consequences and all kinds of things blowing up and playing out in the harshness of our world, through the kindness and the mercy of God, he's drawing us here over and over and over again out of his love and his passion for us. I was having this conversation a couple years ago now uh, with a, a friend that I had begun to connect with who came to the church um, back at one of our other campuses at Bath and, and uh, he was a doctor, a physician and he began to, to tell me about these injuries that he had. It was the this irony that he had these injuries that he kept having surgery on and they kept getting worse. And he's a doctor and he's a surgeon. He couldn't perform surgery on himself, but he kept going to these other doctors and they kept making him worse and he's frustrated by it. And I can't do what I want to do and I I can't have the freedom in life that I want to have and I I can't play sports anymore. It's affecting all these areas of my life. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes and said, Ryan, why is this happening to me? He said, Ryan, why is God doing this to me? How can God be good if all of this is playing out in my life. I'll never forget sitting there with him. And I said to him, I said, brother, I use his name, I said, brother, you know me a little bit. Do you think I'm a good dad? And he looked back to me and goes, yeah, you seem like a pretty good dad. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think so. I said, bro, just imagine for a minute. I said, just play this out with me. Imagine for a minute that, that you pulled into my driveway. And I, and I was standing in my driveway with, with a clump of hair in my hand. Kind of looks at me weird. You know. I said, Let, let's pretend for a minute you got out of your car and you walked up to me. I'm standing there with, with a clump of hair in my hand. And you, you look at me and say, what's that, man? And I looked back at you and I said, this is my daughter's hair. I said, in that moment, would you still think I was a good dad? He looked back at me like, you're a weird guy. 
right? Like, I don't know. I don't know what to say right now, which I appreciated. And I looked back at him and I said, imagine for a minute that my daughter had headphones on and she was running full bore towards oncoming traffic at the end of our yard. And imagine that I, that I was trying to get her attention. I was waving my arms at her. And I was screaming her name. And I couldn't get her attention. No matter what I did, I was trying to get a hold of her. And at the last possible second, right before she ran into an oncoming car, I dove and I grabbed a chunk of her hair and it stopped her and I pulled the hair out and the car went whizzing by and my daughter was laying there on her back hurting because I pulled out this hair. But she was alive. I looked back at him and said, was I a good dad? He looked at me and said, you had no other choice. I said, right, friend. If God is real, and he loves you, and he's kind to you, and he's merciful to you, and he's holy, and he's just, and, and he wants the best for your life, and you don't know Jesus yet, I'm not sure all of the lengths that he would go to to get a hold of you. And I don't know who caused this or what happened or what God was involved in in your story and these injuries and how it played out. Here's all I know. is All I know is right now you have real questions that you're asking that you otherwise wouldn't be asking and they involve the central purpose of why you're on the planet. And, and, if, and if you can dial into who God really is, if you can see him rightly, you can find life. And I'm pretty sure, even if it costs you everything you have, if it, you actually find life and find eternity and find your maker, I think it's probably worth any loss that you might experience. I don't know what God did. All I know is the questions you're asking. I have no ability to comment on the rest. See, the way we view God is foundational to everything that we do. Is he just a pushover? Is he just a genie? Is he just is he a, a, a harsh, condemning jerk? Maybe like my father was, or maybe like some other religious figure was in my life. Maybe a parent or a coach or a religious figure look like this or they look like this or a version of both. And I'm clouded and I can't quite see straight when it comes to looking back at who God is. Listen to these verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Listen to the next one. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and know this love that surpasses knowledge. 
one of those other verses says that, that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The fact that Jesus is on the planet, the fact that he lived perfectly and died innocently, cements permanently for me that God is kind, that he is merciful, that he loves me. Not humanity, me, you. Here's the reality. That today, if I have a relationship with Christ, what I can recognize and what I can start to see and understand is this phrase. I want you to write this down. We live from love, not for love. Here's what that means. I am at a place today, if I see God rightly, if I understand what he said, I don't have to earn my love from a harsh and condemning God. I don't have to perform my way in to God receiving me and accepting me. I don't live for love. I don't live to earn it. I don't have to to try to conjure it up. I live from a place of love where he has loved me. He has chosen me. He has forgiven me. And those things are all true for you if you have a relationship with Christ today and they can become true for you if you want them to be true by saying yes to Christ. We live from love, not for love. I'm accepted already. In all of my junk, in all of my sin, I can't earn it, I can't perform it, I can only look at the mercy and the kindness of God that shows up in Christ and say, thank you. We live from love, not for love. Now here's the thing. We talk about a clean slate. When we begin to say, you know what, I don't want this to be my view anymore. I I don't want to see God as a pushover or a genie. I don't want to see him anymore as harsh and condemning and distant. I want to start to see God as merciful and kind and holy and just. What happens, as you can tell, is I erase it. I try to clean the slate, but there's still a residue left in my heart and in my mind. It's still there. I still have to to fight against that old mindset over and over and over again because I've lived in this reality for so long. So you say, Ryan, what do we do with that? How do we begin to move forward and really clean the slate? Not just erase it and and have a residue over it. How do I begin to actively work with that? I'm going to give you three steps that that I think carve a path for us to begin to move forward. And they're kind of cheesy, but you might remember them. I want to erase the false views of God. I want to replace that with truth about who God is. And I want to retrace the truth until I begin to see it. And it's all that I begin to see. I erase this. I get rid of it. And then then I begin to replace it. God is holy. Right? God is just. I begin to write over the old ways with new ways, I have to replace it until I can't see the old anymore. 
He is kind. He is merciful. He is loving. Jesus is real. I clean the slate, and now I got to keep telling myself over and over, God is holy. He is just. He's not a pushover. He is merciful. He is loving. He is kind. Remember Jesus. When this thing happens in my life and it draws me back to God, I can say, God, thank you for it, even though I don't enjoy the pain of it. I got to fight to clean the slate, to renew my mind, to see it differently. Because how different would life be if God actually is who he says he is, and more importantly, if I actually lived as if God saw me the way that he says he saw me. Now through the lens of Jesus, no longer when he looks at us does he see our sin and our shame and our guilt. When he looks at us, he he sees us through the lens of Christ if we have a relationship with him. This stuff is foundational and will alter our lives at the deepest levels. You say, Ryan, what, what do we do with this? How do we walk into it? Here's what I would say. I think we got to do these steps, certainly. I, you, you might be in a place today where you would say, um, Ryan, I had no idea. I've grown up my whole life thinking that God was harsh or thinking he was a pushover gene. I think he was weak. I'm still back there trying to unpack that. Wow. Wow. Is it possible that God really is who he says he is? Yes. And you can know that God today, by the way. By, by reaching out to Christ and saying, I, I want to know Jesus. I want to be reconnected to you, God, simply recognizing what Jesus did for us. Living innocently dying perfectly, rising victoriously from the dead, all out of love and passion for us. Saying yes to that and recognizing that I'm making that person God in my life makes all this true for you. You can do that. You can pray that today. Beginning a relationship with Christ I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm not asking you to become a good person. I'm asking you to interact with the God of the universe who created you and loves you and loves me. That's what we're talking about. It will alter you at the deepest levels in the best ways. And for the rest of us, I want to start to see that my, my wrong views about God are going to affect my wrong views about myself and my wrong views about the people around me. This stuff, it shows up everywhere. If I think God is harsh and condemning, there's a pretty good chance I'm harsh and condemning with others. If I think God's a pushover, there's a pretty good chance I'm a pushover with other people. Can I begin to look and say, God, rewire my brain, clean the slate, help me start new. Seeing a God who is loving and holy and just and kind and merciful. I want to run to you. I want to run to that Father, the one who's perfect. The band comes out.
close up our time. Would you bow your heads and pray with me, worship with me? We'll sing together. Father, this is a conversation that I know is of the utmost importance to you. Lord, you've gone to unbelievable lengths to communicate who you are to us. You wrote it down in a book. And you show us your power through what you made in creation. You show us your beauty and your wonder through the people, the things that you've made. And Lord, your mercy, your kindness, God. Thank you for the unbelievable lengths you would go to to fight for our heart and our mind. Thank you that you don't relent, you don't quit, but you battle for me in all of my distraction, all my running, and all my misunderstanding, Lord, you continue to fight for me. That's true for each one of us. Would you show us your love? Open our eyes. Open our hearts. Help us to believe and to trust that you are who you say you are. I clean the slate in our lives today. Meet us here, Lord, even now.